Hello, everyone. Hello, everyone. How's everybody doing today? Well, we got a whole bunch of questions here today, a bunch of good questions that we're looking forward to answering. I don't think I can get – some people ask quite a few questions, so I'll try to answer some of them, but I don't think I can get to every single one of them. But we will try. And we're going to start – is it uh, time, do you think? It, it'll uh, start with Osaka's question. Okay. Can you talk about magic and what you think of it? I came across a group called the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn from a Facebook ad. They apparently use a lot of magic and rituals and offer to teach magic and spells. What's the difference between Daskalos' work and magic? Well, I just want to say, what's the difference between riding a rocket ship and roller skates? A lot different. Um, I'm also reading a book by Franz Barton, an early 20th century Czech cultist who apparently had a goal of bringing hermetics to the world. I noticed a lot of his teachings mirrored with what Daskalos said, but he teaches magic as well. Interested in your thoughts. Daskalos was the worst opponent to magic. He did not want to make black magicians, so he withheld information from certain students who he knew would try to use it in that way. But let me just say a little bit about, about this. Before Christ came, way back a long time ago, all the spiritual seekers had was magic formulas and rituals. They didn't really understand about developing psychonoetically, which is mentally and emotionally. In other words, raising your consciousness and, and uplifting your self-awareness. So that's all they had. They always, all they had these spells. Now, I'm not going to go into it too deeply. But when you do a magic spell, you're doing it not from yourself, not from your inner self. Your inner self has no need of magic spells. People try to use magic spells to reach inner their inner self sometimes, but most of the time it's about getting powers and ability. And they'll do spells and rituals, and, and the things will happen. It'll really happen. They think, well, this is true. I'm on the right path. But what they do not realize is that there are certain undesirable entities that when they see you do the magic spell, they will make it happen for you. They will heal people for you for the sole purpose of getting you caught into that whole thing where they're doing the work. Now, you don't realize it's an elemental is doing the work. You don't realize these entities are behind the scenes making these things happen. But at the end of the day, they come back and then demand something back from you. They've been giving you something for a while, giving, giving you answers and doing all this stuff. It's low level stuff. It's not you know, Christ consciousness things, but it's, they'll give you information. It seems to be true and it's relatively, it is true, but it's not, you haven't got there on your own power. These, these, these magic formulas, you take the magic formulas away, you'll never get anything. again. So what we want is to develop psychonoetically. We want to raise our consciousness, lift our self-awareness. So we go there in our natural way and we, we, um, I want to say own it, but what we know how to get there. We know how to get back there. It's not depending on something external like a magic formula. 
It's not depending on something external like a guru who has to take you across to the other side. It's depending upon you making this connection with the inner self, and that's what's making your life work. So magic formulas, Daskos was against it. He hated it. He, 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 in, in fact, it, there were students who tried to do it this way in his, in his system, and he would shut them down. Because it just traps the personality in this process they don't really understand, depending on an external thing. And they're really being served by entities. If they saw what they looked like, they would not want to want to see that. Okay. As we know, God is almightiness. God can do everything. Then, uh, but we can use it. Uh, this almighty power for good purpose and bad purpose. But we can tell which one is good and which one is bad. The scholar says in the magic is magic. No, or even brown magic, black magic, everything is magic is magic. Which means uh, once we use this divine power for something selfish or something uh, even though we think of it like for the other purpose, uh, other people's sake, but we have to check this motivation very carefully. Otherwise, even though we feel like we are developing, actually, when we are using this divine power for our own sake, egoistic uh, purpose, or relating to materialistic, you know, as element, you know, desire things, then even though we feel it, we are developing, actually we are going down, falling down. But we feel like we are so developed, we become so skillful and so developed that gives us more egoism. So in this teaching, the scholar says we use this power, divine power, just for healing, helping people, purely, sincerely. This is the way to use this power. And she said a good point, motivation, because sometimes people will approach magic and some rituals and formulas and all that kind of stuff, and they don't have a bad motivation. No, they want to they do good. They want to do good. But the trouble is motivations change over time. And these entities really tempt you into thinking you're making this happen. So oftentimes the person's egotism swells. and They think, oh, what a good boy am I? Look at all this good I'm doing. But they don't realize what's really happening, nor do they realize the cost to them. And this is particularly noticeable in channeling. The mediums are used by these entities. And they'll tell them what the people want to know. So they keep coming back to them and energy the connection with the entities. But... Uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the lifetime, usually that medium becomes very, very weak and sick, and sometimes they have more desirable things. That's why in this teaching system, we put the, we put the uh, focus to cleanse our body, three bodies, which means that we put uh, best focus on introspection. So... In a sense, once we cleanse our body, the three bodies completely, we can express this power, life, naturally. Next question is from Joseph. 
he says he has a friend and she was working it with the pendulum and was cleaning with a pendulum his car from bad influences. It was surprising to me that she was really fixed the problem on my car. It was not visible, but was making difficulties. How is this possible? Did she subconsciously send an elemental to fix it? Yeah, basically. If it got really fixed that way, yeah, that's right. People can send curses and they, they lock on things. People can send blessings and they lock on things. And the blessings or the curses are an elemental, of course. And they produce effects depending upon the strength of it. Um, he says, I also know some people, and they claim that they can clean a place, car people from curses and bad influence. Clients claim, I've heard from them, that after cleaning, they feel much business, businesses are better. Can you put a light on how it's working? It's all elemental. Everything that's happening in man's world and natural world is created by an elemental. A tree is an elemental of an archangel. So everything that's happening is built by these elementals, and but we can't see them. So you can definitely, like I said, put a, a blessing or a curse on a place. I knew a guy who was involved with black magic in Brazil, and um, he wasn't a good guy. And he went and he hired a black magician to put a spell on a competitor's business, and their business failed. And then the competitor put a spell on his house, and his, there was a landslide, and his house crashed. and then. Last time I heard from him, he was dead. So I don't know what happened to him down there in Brazil, but uh, these things have real powerful effects. So we have to be really careful about it. Yeah. Okay. This is another question he's asking. There are some exercises from the researchers of truth, and it's written, open fields of consciousness. What is a field of consciousness and how to open it in practical sense? Well, Charles, this is a most interesting question. And when I saw this this morning, I, I thought about it. I, I don't ever remember Daskalos ever saying, open the fields of your consciousness. So to be sure, I searched through the database of the outer circle, the inner, the innermost circle, and the inmost circle lessons. And I find no place he mentions it. But I do know what you're talking about. This is in one of Panayota's meditations where she says, open the fields of your consciousness. So since it's her meditation, I suggest you ask her what she means by that. What about left-handed people, he asked. I heard that currents are charged, changed. Can you say something about that and why it's so? Hmm. Okay. Um, think of our hands. What are our hands? They're centers of energy. And when we cross them like this, we create circuits. Now, one of the common ones is we hook our thumbs together and place it over the heart. And in doing so, we can energize those centers, especially alongside breathing. We can really put a lot of energy into the centers. But when we say, put your right hand over your left, a left-handed person is going to do it the other way. Um, For a left-handed person, for a left-handed person, uh, I mean, for for us, a right-handed person, us, the left side of our body and the left side of the symbol of life is the holy spiritual, the level of the archangelic expression. So, to come in contact 
we can use the currents on this side of the body. But for a left-hand person, it's going to be the other way. It's going to be on the right-hand side of the body. However, the symbol of life is constructed the same, but the currents move differently. Yeah, and so all we're doing by this is, is magnetizing these centers with our hands. Um, and it's a great practice, especially when you breathe. And you can put it on your solar plexus and really feel that. That's a great place to store a lot of energy. It's really easy and safe to store energy in the solar plexus. So we, we always put the, our dominant hand on the top. So if we are right-handed, we place it on the top of the left hand. If we are left-handed, we place the dominant left hand on the top. Even if we do the work on the people, you know, physical you know, direct healing, if we are right-handed, we place the hand on the top, dominant. And then, um, Receive the energy. Of course, we can receive the energy from everywhere, every molecule in the cells. But through hand, we receive. If we are right-handed, we receive the energy from left-handed, and pass it to the people, to ourselves from right. If we use both hand, we place it. As I said, place the dominant hand on the top. I have a question from Chris. Not to begin a debate, but if I'm forced to take the COVID shot, how can I best protect myself or my loved ones from any harmful sh shot or long-term side effects which could occur? The orange light, a powerful prayer ball of light or shield. Is there anything we can do that you can recommend? Yeah, I have to be careful because, as you probably are aware, social media is censoring anybody that does not say what the official storyline has been presented to us. And I'm so tempted to talk about it, but I better not. So anyway, instead of saying for the COVID shot, the V word, I'm just going to say V because you'll know what I mean and they won't be able to catch that we're talking about it. So I just want to throw out a couple of little thoughts. I, I really don't want to tell you what this, what's really happening. I want you to research yourself to find the truth and you decide what's really happening. And I think we're going to see more and more re revealed, but I just want to throw out a couple of thoughts for you. In 2018, there were 85 deaths from V. Okay, 2019, 119 deaths from B. 2020, 203 deaths from Vs. The first quarter of 2021, 3,362 deaths. Does that make sense? Some years ago, I think it was 2015, we had a SARS virus, a real much deadlier virus than the COVID going around and they made a V for it. I think this is 2005. But when they started giving the V to the people, 15 people died and they stopped it completely. Why aren't they stopping this from the death of the V? 
we really have to do, we're researchers. And this, I mean, it's not just about researching spiritual things. We live in a material world. We're a citizen of a spiritual world and a material world. And we have to be good citizens in both worlds. That means we have to research the truth of each world. So I highly recommend that you don't try to do it through Google, though. You have to go to like DuckDuckGo.com because Google censors so many things. And just you have to ask yourself why they're accepting these uh, high death rates from the vaccine. Now, what you can do is, um, obviously, the best thing is don't take the vaccine. But you shouldn't refuse the V if you're put in a position to that somebody like your employer is trying to give it to you, you shouldn't refuse it, but you can deny it. If you refuse it, they're going to shame you. Oh, you're going to give this to everybody. They're going to really try to shame you into texting it. But you must decline it because it's an untested medical experiment. Untested because they never tested it on humans. They tested it on the cats and ferrets. They died. All of them died. Uh, the other thing is it's not tested. The makers have got legislation so they can't be sued. So if you get hurt or dead, you're on your own. The doctor who gives it to you will not take responsibility for it either because it's untested. And I think in England, maybe elsewhere, but for sure in England, if you take the COVID, vaccine and die within six months to a year, I think it is, your life insurance won't pay for your health because you've taken an exper experimental, this is what they say in the insurance company, an experimental drug. Now, Google will poo-poo that story altogether, but there are people who are reported that's happened to them. So I know it's, it's somewhat true in certain, maybe with certain uh, companies or maybe all of them. I don't know. None of us know. So, um, if you die, if they consider, they said, well, you've taken a medical experiment. We don't cover that. So you're going to lose your insurance. The second thing you can do, other than just denying taking it, declining it, I should say, is to do the breathing exercises we teach and the meditations because these really, really energize us. And a strong body is immune to this. That's what a researcher truth does not have to be about viruses. Why would he ever say that? Well, he told you, because these things build up the body's immune system. The more etheric vitality we can charge into our body, the stronger our immune system gets. So this is the real power over the viruses. You know, viruses have been around on since man's been around longer. So there's natural body mechanisms to, to energize. And one of it is uh, just making sure your body is overcharged with with the theory of vitality and you do that by breathing exercise aki's given a lot of good breathing exercises that you just start doing them and it's going to happen automatically uh chris asked about the orange ball yeah we can put an orange ball at the throat and we hold it for maybe two three minutes not super long and we do it there and it's a bright strong it's not a pale pastel it's bright and strong and its vibrations burn viruses and microbes that are harmful to the body so when you put the ball there also program the subconscious to give yourself the auto suggestion it's burning just to reinforce it it's burning all viruses and germs harmful to the material body and the reason we do it there is because the blood circulates through the thyroid um, 
every 11 to 13 minutes. So um, it's a great exercise. What else can you do? Yeah. Yeah. The other one is the program of subconsciousness. Just keep programming yourself by perfect health. And a lot of these exercises and meditations at the end, I would say, I want perfect health in my body. I don't want to feel good. I want perfect health in my body. Yes, this is what he says right now is exactly what I wanted to add on his comment. Uh, many, many good exercises. Breathing exercise works. And also exhale over works uh, with thyroid orange ball light. But please don't do it more than five minutes. Not too long because it's too intense. I already made a meditation for that. So... I am going to provide it, but that works, that exercise will work. And also, as we know very well, uh, three sons meditation, that works a lot. So those kind of simple exercises works a lot. But as he says at the end, the end of the exercise, we always make affirmation. This is the most important process. So whenever or whatever exercise you do for protecting yourself or health, you know, please don't doubt. Or don't feel anxiety. Oh, Daniel and Aki said that they recommend this meditation. But does this really work? Even 1% or 2% of this kind of doubt or anxiety destroyed all our effort. So it's, you know, nowadays we have to observe what's going on in the world very carefully, but please don't take unnecessary anxiety or fear inside of yourself. Rather than that, taking the same time, same energy, create very healthy elemental for ourselves and for your beloved one. Uh, another question they ask is, what's the difference between praying for someone to be safe versus sending a sphere of light around them or sending a ball of light or a thought form, an elemental to them? Hmm. Well, the moment you think about praying for someone or helping someone, you send them an elemental of healing. The visualization part, the shield, the, the energy, the stars, or whatever other thought forms you want to send them, it just makes it so much stronger. It empowers it. Thought is very powerful, but visualization is the way to harness it. So just having the thought you want to help somebody, it's good. It sends a nice, positive, elemental person. But when you start visualizing it, it makes it much, much more powerful. And then the next part of the question, if God knows what's in our heart, why must we pray for someone's healing or safety? And it's the same thing. We're just we're just strengthening it. We're energizing it. it healing and helping people is not a, a passive work. It's an active work. So it's not good enough just to say, oh, I, I care for that person. We want to try to help them. So we want to do what we know in these teachings can help people. And that is prayer and visualization for sure. The whole point is that we do it consciously. No. Uh, the prayer, when we make a prayer, oh, all the time, if uh, we think of other people, most of the time we make a prayer for other people. But 
using the golden key, one of the golden key, uh, concentration, visualization, observation, and we, we concentrate energy to create a certain strong thought form, creative thought form, and send it. We do it consciously, and we use kind of symbol or shape. Symbol and shape has the meaning behind it. So once we create a shape or you know symbol, whatever, automatically it includes, you know, it it has a meaning and strength of the meaning. And at the end of the exercise, we give it once again affirmation of the meaning of it and send it consciously to other people or to ourselves. That's why it really works. So we do kind of double work, not only just praying for someone uh, subconsciously or consciously. The strength is different. Mm. Orsten asks, it's so hard for me to keep the concentration on the images, the visualized images, and especially colors during the meditation without my subconscious altering them all the time. Is there anything more that can help except for more practice? There are only three things that can help our practice, 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 because it, it's a skill that we have to develop. And what happens, and this is really the first part of the practice before you even try to do the visualized images, you should start practicing with creating a door, a wall between your subconscious mind and conscious mind. You can visualize it, you can imagine it, you can just say it's there. You can put a guard at the door to do it. But by doing that, it's, it's we build a big, beautiful wall, and the subconscious is the one that's paying for it. It's one that's doing it because we're telling it to do it and it follows our orders. So practice is definitely the best thing. And one of the best practices before you try to get real deep into visualizations is just sit down for a week in the morning for 10 minutes and just pay attention to what thoughts come to your mind. These are the elementals that have the right to rise from our sub subconsciousness and make knock on the door of the consciousness and make demands to be fed, fed by the energy of our attention, of course. And so we have to learn how to deal with that process and to silence that. So the first thing we do is just try to know what's happening. Like, what are our thoughts? We sit there and and then we have this thought and this thought makes us want to go up and wax the car or whatever. We have all these thoughts that try to pull us out of what we're doing into action. And the idea is not to do that, not to follow that, not to suppress them, but not to follow them either. So we just want to be aware of what kind of things are happening with this and how this process works. So we just observe. This is an observation exercise. And um, like I said, they come up to the subconscious mind and they, they ask for our attention. So the first week, you don't try to stop them. You don't try to, try to push them back or anything. You just observe them. And, and what it becomes like, it becomes like you're sitting in a little boat out in the middle of the ocean. And you see a wave come towards you and it comes to the boat and it passes the boat and keeps going. Each wave is like a thought. They just come and let them go. Let them come. They're endless. The point is not to get identified, not to interact with them, but just to stay detached from them. If you can do that, then what you're doing is you're starting to create this 
I'll call it a semi-permeable membrane between your conscious mind and subconscious mind that will block those thoughts that distract you when you're trying to do your work. What do you think? Yes. Um, first of all, if you find it difficult to concentrate, keep concentration during the meditation, especially for visualizing something, I feel, I think, first step is to find it, to introspect what prevents your concentration, what uh, what stops your visualization. Once you find the cause of something which stops or uh, prevents your visualization, then you can work on it separately. And one more aspect, it says, except for practice, but actually in teaching, it says we just need to practice. But I can introduce the, the simplest practice to uh, enforce the, the power of the visualization. Please bring something very simple, whatever works in front of you. And every day, uh, maybe 15, 10 to 15 minutes, just concentrate to memorize everything, imprint everything, holding something in front of you. Even a white paper or white board is fine. Bring it in front of you, concentrate on it, imprint it, 10 minutes, and close your eyes and visualize it. And at the beginning, a certain point that phase out disappear. Then when it disappears, open your eyes and observe it again. And close your eyes. And we repeat this process again and again. Please continue this exercise maybe for two weeks. Then you will know the difference. You you have a much empowered visualization uh, skill. Next question is, I wonder why other spiritual and Christian practices put so much weight on doing good for others and charity work. But Daskalos and the teachings seem to be focused solely on inner work. I understand that we could pray for others if we gain enough insight through meditations, that we can help others energetically, but I've never heard about material or physical help. No. <laughs> Our service as a researcher of truth is threefold. The first level is physical. We, it, we, to help somebody, we give what we can give that's ours to give. At the emotional level, if somebody's distressed or, you know, emotionally upset, we counsel and we comfort them. And if somebody's mentally lost or troubled mentally, we guide. And we stand there with them. We guide and try to walk there with them. So our services is threefold on all three levels. And But I think the Hindu system gives a pretty good uh, plan for this as well, for the threefold expressions of their practice. First one is karma yoga. Just doing good service to others. That's the easiest. You don't need to be a high meditator or anything. You can just go give a hungry person food, and you do good. Um, this is obviously a physical approach. The second approach they have is called bhakti yoga, 
which is devotional yoga. So it brings the emotions is, oh, I love God. I just, God is my lover. I'm just so in love with God. That'll take you faster and farther than the service one. But the best one is is what they call yan, yin yoga, which is really more of a mental meditation thing. And that's why we stress this one in our, our, our lessons and our teaching so much, because this is the fastest vehicle. Actually, we do all of them, but this mental one, you make faster movement up your path than with any of the others. Okay. I just wonder why Christians put the weight on doing good for others physically, where like charity, and we talk about the teachings and meditations and Christians, Christians. You just got it. Okay. Okay. Hi, Laura. I did. I just have this one. No, this is. I'm not doing that. Just. Hi, Laura. There's a great deal of awareness, she asked, these days about the concept of sovereignty. Now, this is a great question. People are mainly focusing on the aspects of our innate freedom under the law of God and the land and of the land and how we're not to cow down. We're not to bow to Caesar's laws. It just means bow to the authorities, basically. And do whatever they say. But I wonder if you can speak more deeply to the question of how it relates to aspects of our divine natures as rays of the absolute infinite beingness. How are we the masters of our destiny and yet experiencing the meekness of our small outer personality? Well, as a small outer personality, we are not the masters of our destiny. That's what the whole spiritual story is about, is to become masters. Certainly our it is the master. But have you noticed the inner self fear with what the present day personality self wants to do? And this is because the first gift of God is freedom. It gives it to all of the initially to immediately to all the uh, eternal spirit beings that are in beingness. Immediately they have free will. And even down here. So then the, the personality, the, I mean, sorry, the soul is given free will and the soul gives the personality free will. This is the nature of it. So the, the, the inner self could be a master and correct everything, just run everything fine. But we as personalities have to learn the way of the master. We have to learn how to master. And once we do that, then, of course, we can be assimilated in self-realization with the inner self. Um, but the sovereignty issue is very, very important because um, God has given us these sovereign rights. The United States Constitution gives us, echoes the sovereign rights given to us by God. But now it's not like that. It's changing. The rights of individuals are being taken away. Really, it's out of fear. Because we are living right now, especially after the terrorist thing and the COVID thing and the alien invasion is probably going to come next. We live in a fear-induced reality. The media, everything that's presented to us internally, externally, 
mostly with, with these big issues today, are saying, be afraid, be very afraid. Immediately, when you be afraid, when you become afraid, you lose your solitude. You lose a connection to that I-ness that is never bound and forever free. It's always sovereign. So for us, we live in two worlds. We have to be a good citizen in this world. We don't have to say what this world is telling us is true. But we have to be a good citizens and not fight against things like, you know, in war. Uh, but when you find your inner self, you find that sovereignty. You see, he mentioned about the inner self. Whatever happened, whatever we are given, what kind of condition happened around us, just stay. Uh, stay on the nature of God, which is love, power, love and goodness and power, silent force, calmness, peace, and wisdom. Wisdom is not knowledge. Wisdom is manifested as the, the exit, you know, uh, make action uh, based on the knowledge in our daily life. Then that becomes wisdom. So whatever happened around you, just stay on the nature of God because this is our aim of thousands of thousands of incarnations. So even though we are in the end of the world, whatever we call, it doesn't matter. Just stay in the nature of God and express life in our daily life to people, to the world. <clears throat> this next question from Laura is really for Aki. Aki spoke a while ago about the five-pointed star visualization and the one that could use different colors for different purposes. Could you say more about that? I sometimes wonder if the violet star could help protect against radiation from satellites and towers, etc., since the color of Raphael's, whose element is electromagnetism. Do you think that would be advisable? You go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there's we do it for different reasons. Yeah, that's a good one to protect ourselves, but also to energize ourselves, the violent one. If you go to researchersoftruth.org, you're going to see the blue one of Gabrielle, where we do uh, for being calmness and peace and tranquility. It's your, it's your. You can make a comment. <laughs> yes, I, I made a comment of that. Yes, uh, basically we make a five-pointed star with white light, luminous white light, filled inside, you know, white light, as we know. But in particular case, as she says, yes, I think it's good to create a violet five-pointed star in that case, or if we feel like to energize our body, uh, then we can create it. Or uh, when we want to calm down or what would like to work on the emotional body, we can create a Gabriel's sky blue five-pointed star. And we, when we want to work on uh, uh, kind of 
healthy blood circulation or more kind of strength. <laughs> Do you want to talk? <laughs> then, <laughs> then we can create a red five-pointed star. But when we uh, create a red five-pointed star, we use the right hand and go down to the left, uh, left leg first and go create like this. Okay. And when we create uh, the violet uh, five-pointed star, we use left hand and uh, you know create a projected uh, violet light and we. We bring down our hand to the right hand side, to the, the right leg, and create a five pointed star like that. When we create uh, the Gabriel with a five pointed star sky blue, we use both hands, we go down like this. Hmm. But I want to conclude with this word. In a specific case, we can use uh, color the five-pointed star but please remember the the white one is the most balanced uh kind of most harmonized uh five-pointed star because please think about the four-sided pyramid we have a lot of exercise of the four-sided pyramid right and in front the, the logos right side is uh Michael, yeah? Mahal. The left side is Raphael, and the back side is Gabriel. What we are doing in the exercise of the four-sided pyramid is balancing our personality, balancing all archangels, which is archangels of the element, which is helping the development of our you know, emotional and psychoanalytical bodies. We are trying to balance it. So each person has the favorite color. Lolo, what color do you like best? Might be violet. I like violet, but some people might like uh, the red, red color more than the white. But we all have to balance and love all the colors evenly. So creating a, you know, just favorite color, they, our favorite color, the five-pointed star, is not really recommendable. So always white. White is the mixture of the old colors. So white is the balancer and the strongest. But uh, occasionally, specifically when we need to work on for something, please use the colors. Hi, Jeff. <clears throat> Jeff's asking, I read in the Symbol of Life book that some of the archangels like to take the human form and materialize themselves sometimes. I'm just wondering if you have thoughts on what they would be doing in a material body and if there would be a way we could recognize them as archangels. Yeah. Uh, what they're doing in the body is they're trying to help us wake up. I mean, they have different jobs, but if one appears to you for no physical reason, is they're trying to help you wake up, basically. That's exactly what they're doing. Um, Archangel Michael is the Archangel of Fire. So sometimes he likes to materialize in a human form. He, he likes to. 
Archangel Raphael, much, very much likes to. He, he loves to come forward when we seek them out. He's the most um, approachable, I think I can say, of, of the archangels. He's, he's so willing. He's ready to come when you're ready to try. Um, same thing about Gabriels. You know, they, they're about to liquid. So we have earth, I mean, fire, energy, air, prana, and liquids. What about the earth element? What archangels in charge of the earth element? Well, there, there aren't any archangels in charge of the earth element. The earth element is in charge, uh, is under the control of Shamael, who provides it to the other archangels. But Shamael, uh, when he materializes, now this is an interesting thing. He can be extremely beautiful or extremely ugly. But under no conditions are we at this point in time to try to attune to him, to try to think about him, to try to connect with him. Why? Well, he's a keeper of the duality, the law of cause and effect. So he's hostile to man because man's been hostile to his kingdom. His kingdom is the environment and we have been destroying it. So he's hostile to man right now. When you become self-realized, no danger in connecting with him at all. He'll be a loving brother to you. But as long as we have those kind of things in us that destroy his environment, he feels we're his enemy. So he, he's opposed to us. He has one hand connected to the archangels, which he's supplying the material stuff to. But he has the other hand connected to some other things that we don't want to be connected to. So it's just best for now not to try to connect to him. What they're doing, like I said, they're trying to wake up, but they also come into hospitals a lot. I have actually seen two in a hospital. But I have a story here from a doctor who was making his rounds late at night, one hospital, and he comes to this room with his patients that's just about to die, and he notices there's a light in there, a big light. He goes in, and he sees an angel standing over the person who's passing right then. And he just says to the to the guy, uh, to the doctor that just tells him the truth. Life incarnations, the incarnations in all, all of our incarnations throughout all of our lifetimes are just um, gradual steps of self-improvement toward perfection. That's an interesting thing for him to say. Then he said, most severely disabled children are told this and they know this and it helps them carry their cross of their their disability through life much better. And you'll notice some of these severely disabled children, they have the best attitude online. So they have different jobs and they show up for different things, but a lot of times it's either to protect us, wake us up, or in this case, help us with the crossing. Okay. Okay. Uh, in the exercise, you okay? I'm okay. In the exercise, uh, when we go in our body and uh, attune with our part of the body or warmness of, for example, when we attune with the warmness of our body temperature, it's Archangel uh, Michael. No? Then uh, when we attune, uh, with the, the you know fluid in our material body, and so uh, we connect with the Archangel uh, Gabriel. And when we uh, feel the movement of the currency, 
we connect with the Archangel Raphael. Then whenever we try to attune with the movement or kind of liquidity or heat, we just please try to open your heart. And just like when you love somebody, when you fall in love with someone, you try to understand or try to want to know about the person, right? Just like that, open your heart and try to understand. And one important thing is show your appreciation and relax, relaxation, and open your heart. And when you keep your calmness, then sometimes they show up as the figure of the, the human form. So it's not only in the no, material body, even if doing introspection exercise, when we feel like a heat, energetic feeling, he shows up. When we try to cool down, Gabriel will show up. But the key is always we have to relax and try to attune try to understand it and the appreciation. When we appreciate something, naturally open our heart and then that makes a bridge between them. Okay, the next question is about sleep paralysis from Bonnie. Okay. In um, sleep paralysis, she's saying, is a, is a feeling that you can't move. You're conscious of being in your body, but you can't move. And it happens when they pass between stage of wakefulness and sleep. And during these transitions, people may not be able to move or speak for a few seconds, up to a few minutes. Um, what are your thoughts on this? As you know, we teach the material body has an etheric double. The material world has an etheric double. And then there's a psychical counterpart to our body and the world. At night, and in a conscious eczematosis, a conscious out-of-body experience, we, as a self-awareness, transition through this boundary, we'll call it the etheric double, so keeps everything together. So it's kind of like a boundary you have to overcome. It's a boundary you have to overcome when you want to make a conscious out-of-body experience into the psychical world. So at night, we're making a subconscious out-of-body experience into the psychical world. So we as a self-awareness pass over. And with our passing over, we leave the creative ether. It's not that we're doing this on purpose, but automatically the creative ether gets left in the material body. Because it has to circulate the blood and nervous, and it's got to do all that stuff. But the aesthetic, the kinetic, which has to do with the movement, and the imprintive ethers go with the self-awareness. Not all, but most go with the self-awareness. And you have your experiences in the psychic world in what you call dreams. And you come back, but you don't remember what you had there because you haven't bridged this energy connection, the etheric connection, 
between the two bodies. So you don't bring back the memories very much. And what you bring back is fragmented and jumbled. So it seems unreal, but it's not real. It's real experiences we're having. Now, I can tell you from my own experiences, I've had that experience where you come back in and there's a moment in there where you're conscious in the body, but you haven't seemingly reintegrated all the ethers. So you can't move your body. You can't breathe. It's just there. And it's, if, if you focus on that, it's scary. But usually with very soon, you come back out of it. Okay, I'm back in the body. But sleep paralysis, from my own direct experience, is that. It's when you're coming back into the body and not all the ethers have reconnected with you as a self-awareness in that material body. I don't know if that answers it. I don't know if you understand that, but it's really just of the theory double. Okay. I don't have any question about this, oh, really? so maybe let's go next day. Okay. okay, Thomas is asking, what are our expectations for the researchers of truth? Would you like to grow to a large number of people, or do you expect it to stay small? Did Daskalos or Yohanan communicate anything about the future of these teachings? Yes, of course. Whether it becomes big or small at this point in time, it's going to become big. But it, how soon, we don't know. We don't care. It's up to Daskalos and Yohanan. But uh, they did say something. Daskalos gave us a really great clue. He said, in one of the lessons I was at back in the 90s, one day, these teachings will be taught in schools, regular schools. Well, clearly, for that to happen, they ha it has to get somewhat big, and they have to, the world has to appreciate the great value that's in these teachings, and they have to start wanting to teach it in school. And uh, Aki and I, with the Creative Studio in Tulum, and uh, Herberto, we, we have these projects in prisons, and uh, the schools of Mexico have opened up and, and asking for us to present programs to it. So um, I think that's a really big clue that Daskola said it's going to be taught in schools. And that, that tells you not only, it tells you a lot if you think about it. Okay. Thank you. For, this is from uh, Miss Andre. Thank you for deep studies and your loving presence. Thank you to the community for asking questions to help us learn more. Here's my question. When I visualize myself inside a light shield, do I see myself like a mirror or from the inside of my body or whatever? It's something I keep asking myself doing the light shield meditation. Mm -hmm. Well, it can be any of that, really. I mean, we're free. Of course, initially, maybe it's a little better. There's some times where we... Um, there's some practices where we actually you'll feel double because what happens is you start to feel, okay, I'm sitting in a chair. I'm visualizing myself outside of myself in this light shield. And then sometimes it'll pop and you feel like you're inside and you pop back into the vantage point of the projection, we'll call it. So it can be either. Sometimes uh, we're told to face or look at ourselves from the front side. Sometimes I like to do it like a little mini drone, just kind of going all around and just seeing it from any angle. We're free. We just need the skills of developing visualization. You probably have an answer that you'd like to say. Yes. Uh, once we create a, you know, whatever the vision uh, in our visualization exercise, please uh, you know, create uh, any vision as you are told, as it is first. But 
once we uh, go deep into the meditation, it naturally happens. Sometimes we are, you know, we observe everything in the, the body which we created. Or sometimes we just, you know, our self-consciousness self go, go around, you know, the, the, the image which we created. So it just naturally happened. But first step is just remain in the body or wherever you are told in the meditation, following the guidance. But at certain point, just flow yourself, you know, uh, and uh, enjoy the experience. Mm. Linda asked, when we pass over into the psychical world, is our consciousness slash awareness the same as we experience during our day-to-day -day life in the material world? Or is our conscious awareness more like a fuzzy, like a confused state most of us experience when we subconsciously visit the psychical worlds when we're dreaming? So um, the answer is, it, it depends, but yes is the answer. Of course, when we die, there's a period of sleep where we kind of bring down the vibrations of earth life before we wake up in the psychical plane. And by wake up in the psychical plane, I mean wake up in our psychonoetical shell in the psychical plane. So we're going to see what's in our shell. Um, now, Daskala says 80, sometimes he says 80, sometimes he says 90. Percent of the time, the people, it's so much like Earth, only it's just much better and brighter and easier. It's so much like Earth that 80 or 90% of the people don't even realize they passed over. So that's telling us, yes, they're going to, we're going to go on continuing with our daily life as we know it now. The moment we're dead, we're not one ounce different than what we were right before we died. So in the psychical world, we're going to continue on with our personalities, interests, and our um, aims in life, really. However, it's so much easier there. Most people don't make much spiritual effort because it's just so easy to hang there because we're manifesting the reality we want. We'll get into that later. Again, when we pass over into the psychic world, do we ever interact with the real version of our departed loved ones rather than elementals of them? Can I wait yeah, I'm going to stop there and say before I go on with the rest of it. Um, that's a very good point. I heard Dasko tell one student, you know, about on the psychical plane, you populate your shell with the people you liked and loved. Elementals, of course. However, the elemental, the life of that elemental is coming from the real person. Then the guy says, oh, I, it doesn't sound very real to me just visiting elementals instead of being with the real people. And Daskalos leaned in and says, do you really think you're with me now? Or are you with an elemental you created of me? That's the point. So it won't feel like a bunch of uh, holograms running around. We're going to feel and are connected with those real people. However, since we're sort of we're we're dressing that entity, that elemental of the person with what we know about them, there's a lot of stuff we don't know about people. So we're already going to put on them what we know about them. 
That's interesting, isn't it? It's okay. 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 And do we ever see experience the real place in the psychic world we are in? Or is everyone living in their own little shells, never seeing actually what's going on around them? Uh, most people are living in their little shells, but you can come out of it. Just like here, you're out on a bright, sunny day in the fall, and it's just wonderful outside, but you've got a problem with your partner, and your guys are going at it, and you're not agreeing, and you're not happy. Even though you're in this beautiful earth environment, you could stop looking at each other and arguing and look outside and go, wow, what a glorious day this is. It's similar within the psychical world. We get caught up in these little mind emotion things and we start to re interact with our elementals our shell where we create the people's places and things that are now materialized in our shell and we forget this wait a minute there's the real world it's really not behind me and you have to raise your consciousness to see the real world the other day we went to the restaurant and we were eating a lunch and the, the family was dining uh beside our table and uh, not just uh, watching over, but just uh, in our observation, each family member was handling uh, iPhone, uh, the cellular phone, and uh, we could see each uh, family member has a different psychonautical shell, but they, you know, eating lunch together. Mm -hmm. Same thing happened like uh, uh, when I used to live in Los Angeles uh, in a big traffic jam. You know, when the car was almost stopped in the traffic jam, when I look around, uh, each car has a different psychonautical shell, just like. This, you know, we are living in a sharing space in this dimension, but we all, each one of us has a completely different psychological share. And it, it, you know, once we perform, it just express as it is, you know, inside of their psychological share as it is, without the, or noticing. And her final question is, how do we come out of those shells and experience the real psychic world? Well, like I said, you have to raise your um, consciousness and uplift your awareness. But we do it here. We have to do it here <laughs> because the more we do it here, it immediately translates over there. You can't go over there and try to be more conscious than you are here. It's not going to work. You have to do it from wherever you are. And we are here right now. That's what the training is always all for. And I'll say one other thing about that. Even though we're in our little shells, People can visit each other in their little shells exactly the way people visit each other in their houses here on Earth. So that's why uh, in our exercise we connect with our eyes and we uh, observe everything from the viewpoint, the core of our self awareness called eyes. We observe everything and we train, you know, uh, to gain viewpoint all the time even in this dimension and using this viewpoint we do introspection right before we fall asleep then it's going to be transferred this viewpoint of the observation will be transferred in the other dimension and if we train enough we can bring it back so introspection exercise 
especially right before you fall asleep, is so helpful and beneficial. Please try. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, our friend Hugo. Where are you? <laughs> Hugo's last question. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't have it. Can I, I send it, it to you on a. Okay. Just listen. There's some very good questions here. And if it's possible, could you answer my question? My question is that my whole life with my relationships with women have been complicated. I've never heard of this before. I'm working with a young woman now for the last three years. She's physically very beautiful and over and above that. But I feel there is this, there's an interesting connection with her. I've been trying to explore it with my holy guardian angel. However, she's quite a few years younger than me. So that creates issues by itself. Is there anything you can suggest that I can do for that? To do an introspection and maybe with right thinking, go more deeply into this, possibly find answers. Well, if you're together, it means that there are some good lessons and blessings for you. You have to discover that. Um, so I would suggest you concentrate not on these issues you find that they're different, but on what good is coming from this relationship. What good can come from this? You're both working together. What good can you do with that? So I would suggest you energize that and um, don't worry so much about the differences. It turns out that um, I, too, am working with a younger woman, much younger than me. And I, you could think that would be a problem, but it, as it turns out, I'm really quite immature for my age, so it works out perfect if he's younger. Maybe that's the case with you. But whatever it is, when you get into the point, the higher you go in love, the less any of that, age or anything, makes a difference. So I presume, since this woman's in your life, that you uh, have some good work with her and something good's going going to happen. So try to try to focus and bring out the good and forget about the differences. Yeah. Uh, physical difference of the age is not really the matter. The for me the matter is the um, the difference of the development and spiritual level, medical uh, level, psychical level, and also physical level difference. The difference of the Physical matter is not the, the really the big matter. More than that, all levels are important. But uh, there is some reason why you met the lady uh, in your lifetime at that point. So whatever you receive, please uh, accept what you are given. And if it's not acceptable after experiencing something, then you can have a choice. You have your own willpower to keep going or separate. But as long as you feel like you you grow, you can express better yourself, then a physical difference is not the, the matter very much. More than that, we should think highly or put the, our weight of the development of our spirituality because uh, our physical incarnation is uncountable. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the, the, 
uh, meeting someone uh, who is very important is so such a precious event. So just uh, surrender to your gift, which you are given from the universe. I think that we need to uh, answer to the first question, which people lose when they. Maybe you have paper. You oh, it's not on there. Okay. You sure? This is our first question. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to go back to the first question, but Danielle asked a question about uh, this left hand, right hand thing, and she's asking, is the symbol of life mirrored? And no, the symbol of life is constructed exactly the same. It's just our contact with the currents of energy in our body in this symbol um, is different for left handed and right handed, as we mentioned before. Uh, Bertold asked a question, can we keep developing our connection and visualization abilities after passing into the psychical plane? In other words, can we keep constructing the symbol of life after physical death? I've heard that this is a great time of waking that had to take place years ago. I think those are two different questions. Okay, yeah, when we pass over, uh, we will. If you're interested, keep working with the symbol and the teachings and everything. And we will keep doing the five golden theories of concentration, observation, introspection, visualization, and meditation. But now there's a difference. While we're in the material world, we're using those five golden keys primarily to, to on forms and relationships of other forms, relationships of people, but on forms, uh, forms of life. Maybe we're studying forms of life. We're studying the form, but when we pass into psychonetical worlds, we'll still use the five golden keys, concentration, observation. But this time we're gonna use it on the ideas behind the form. So we're gonna be studying, using the same golden keys, but using them at a much, much higher rate and um, studying the form behind it. Now, I mean, the idea behind it, because everything existing, whatever form exists, has an eternal archetypal idea behind it. There, it's based on an eternal archetypal idea in the noetic. So we, what we start to do is start to understand really how this is really working. And the power is with the idea. It's not with the form. The form is the puppet. The power is the puppeteer, if you will. And um, so, yeah, we would do it after this, this thing. But here's an interesting thing. Must we create this? Now, we're told we have to create the symbol of life on the third double of the material body. Once we pass over, do we have to make it on the etheric double of the psychical body and then the etheric double of the noetical body? What do you think? No. All we have to do is get it well created and embedded in our etheric double of material body. And then the archangels take care of building it on the higher bodies. This is a great, great boon. Great, great boon. All we have to do is this one part of it. Okay, I heard that this time was a time of great awakening I had, that had to take place decades ago. I heard also that old energies and their representative representatives prevent us and the planet from this process. Sure. Can I comment? Sure. Of course. I mean, old habits, just think of it as your personal life. Old habits from a year ago are holding you back now or from five years ago. So for sure, there are those old energies are trying to keep us in place. And it is a time of great awakening. But like I just said in the beginning, you've got to do your own research. 
a lot of people are telling us saying there's so much falsehood out there. There's so much. It's a prevalence of falsehood. The truth is very, very um, hidden, but you can find it if you really deeply research and don't just listen to what other people tell us the truth is. Don't just listen to the media telling us what the truth is. Don't listen to Dr. Bill Gates telling us what the truth is. Christ said, seek the truth and the truth will liberate you. Those who listen and depend upon only the guidance of external voices can fall in the same ditch that these guys are heading to. So just, it is a time of great awakening. Just be patient, be calm, try to raise your, your vibrations yourself as much as possible so that you can enjoy the great awakening that's coming. Christ had 12 disciples. What's the significance of the number 12? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a holy number. It's, it's the, 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 um, what I want to say, constellations, the, the uh, 12 zodiac signs. It's 12s everywhere. It's, it's, it's just an important number. And then um, Christ makes the 13th. So he's the one, and the 12 represent like the circle. Yeah. Hmm? Uh, yes, we will continue our work until we reach. Uh, the self-realizations, we will keep going to uh, reshape, shape our psychonoetical body until we create a perfect archetype of a human being. So uh, until we reach the completion, even though we're passing away, we're passing on uh, this dimension to the other dimension, we will continue all the way. And about the uh, uh, meaning of the 12, as he says, it's a holy number. Uh, just imagine the four-sided pyramid. Four-sided pyramid are the four aspects, four elements, the tractors, you know, four elements, expression of the four elements in this dimension, but each triangle, just imagine four-sided pyramid, each side has three lines, right? Triangle, consists of the triangles, right? In that way, from the world of the beingness, when it manifests into the world of existence, something, whatever, it has three nature of God and also Four aspect of the expression of God. So each side of the four sides of the pyramid has a three divine nature in each side, right? So four by three becomes a twelve, which means whatever exists in this world or wherever the point in this world has a twelve aspect of God. 12 expression. And as he says, the central point is always the Christ. So which consists of number 13. That, that's, that's why uh, zodiac sign is 12. And uh, we can see many of um, four directions. We have north, south, east, and west. That's the fourth aspect. But in each aspect, we have 
divine nature, three divine nature in it. So everything is consists of the the aspect, the twelve aspect of God in the world of expression. And the always center in the middle, in the middle is Christ, Logos, God. Okay, there's another. Yeah, I, I uh, missed quite a few here. Okay. Manuel's asking if there's a good Bible to buy in Spanish that has not been modified or changed. Really don't know much about that, but the Bibles, they're constantly being changed. But they, most of the Bibles were written by the, the, not the disciples, but the followers. And they were written in Greek because most of them were Greek followers. And some were written in Aramaic. But then they took the Greek one and they translated it into Aramaic and then translated it back into Greek and ended up with like 254 Bibles. And some guy went along and said, well, I'm going to use this one to write the English version, the uh, King James version. So they're, they're all kind of messed up. Daskalos just liked a, um, uh, a simple Greek Bible. It's just basic. I have found a good one. Is a, there's this one? Uh, it's translated from like a lot. It's a Syrian Bible, uh, but they've all been altered a lot. But still, the New Testament and all of them are fantastic. There's so much great information on there. And I've noticed the researcher of truth. There's a researcher of truth team in Mexican. Is Mexican? Are you planning to translate or give some teachings in this language, or will it always be in English? Um, well, Swimming with the Whale was first translated in Spanish uh, from Spain. Uh, Mexican Spanish is different. I don't understand too much about why, but they are different. So uh, the uh, team in Tulum are working on, um, well, we're all, all working on this jail projects, but they're working on translating some of the teachings into English to take into the jails. We're trying to um, start this new program where well, we've been doing it, but we're going to expand it and take it into the prisoners. And the prisoners are so thirsty. You cannot believe how excited they get when they start to hear Christ's teachings stripped from the dogma and all the prejudice off it. They, they really resonate with it. You want to say something? Oh, yeah. Anything I'm sure some brothers like me could help if you decide to do it someday. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's Swimming with the Whale, or part of it is uh, now translated in Czechoslovakia, and Aki and her uh, Japanese group are translating a lot of materials into Japanese. There's already Swimming with the Whales in Japan. There's lots of Portuguese, German, a couple books in German. One's already done, the other one's coming out. So, yeah, we, we plan to do it. You know, we don't speak those languages, so we do need help. <laughs> okay, and John's asking... He said, Daskal has mentioned there are actual seven qualities of ether. There are four that are taught. Can you say anything about the other three, even a hint about their nature? Um, yeah, he doesn't really reveal that to the, to the inner more circles, uh, but I'll say a little something. Um, the higher, you know, the, we have the kinetic synthate, the imprinting of the creative. The next one is electrum, is electric, magnetic, and then the top one, the highest one, is really formless, but it's 
sometimes called ethereal, mm -hmm. but really all of it's ethereal, but it's just what level of vibration is that ethereal vibrating? So uh, they're all, and they're all together. There's not one piece of matter or anything you can find mm -hmm. that doesn't have all seven of them right there together with it. Of course, we can't access the, higher, access the highest four right now, uh, but we will. We will. Did Dasko speak about them? Is there anything more about the nature of creative ether that Dasko spoke about besides that it's not naturally under our control and it's involved in dematerialization? Yeah, was yeah. I mean, not dematerialization, materialization. Does the creative ether have a fairly distinctive higher and lower nature? When we're talking about the ether, we have to include the three worlds of existence because they ether, the etheric counterpart of the material world. There's an etheric counterpart of the psychic world, an etheric counterpart of the noetical world. So, in that sense there's higher expressions of them. The nature of creative ether is the nature, but it's found in different rates of vibration, different uh, frequencies of expression. So the expression on the material world, it's not as vibrating as high as the psychic world or as the noetical world. So yeah, there, there are something about that. Um, these other states of ether have to do with materialization and dematerialization and extension of consciousness but he doesn't really give that out very much. So I don't think I should say much about it. Okay. Yes, uh, the creative ether, as he says, uh, we don't do much because uh, first of all, please don't separate the kinetic, aesthetic and, and imprinting creative. It's not like a separate stuff. It's all in one. And uh, we start, it's just an aspect or function of one ether, ethereal things. So top three is like a ethereal and a magnetic, uh, ethereal, electric, and a magnetic, the top three. But it's all in one. But it, once we start with the, the kinetic, aesthetic, and imprinting ether, and once we master three of them, then creative ether comes automatically because creative ether is the super under the supervision of the holy spirit so in a sense once we self-realize it comes automatically but to reach uh, in, the, in a sense once we step by step train kinetic aesthetic imprinting ether and balanced and harmonized perfectly, then at the time, all creative ether comes to us. So once it comes, which means self-realization, we can handle materialization and dematerialization also. In the instant system, it's Kundalini, it's sitting at the the bottom of the spine, you know, or center number 10. So in our teaching system, that's why we don't touch this center until the very end. And it's not necessary. The most important thing is to get familiar with the other first three and master completely. Then it comes.
Are there teachings from the inner and inmost circles still accessible since Daskalos has left his body? Well, it's not given to the general public, but there are different locations on the planet where there's a lot of it, a few different locations. And um, yeah, there's no shortage of teachings, that's for sure. Um, there was about most of the teachings he, he started with the big at the last was like in the 90s where all the people started coming to him more. And before he had uh, smaller groups of uh, Cypriot students and they were very, he said they were very dedicated. So what you find is you have about 500 lessons from the outer circle things from the past. Then there's about 500 some guy took from the Greek, which are very deep ones because he gave the deeper stuff first. And then at the end of his life, he gave the outer circle lessons more. It was all through there, but his students, he said, were much more uh, advanced. And he said later they came, they had a lot of interest, but they weren't as skilled or whatever. So anyway, um, a lot of people, since I've been doing the website, people have just been giving me stuff from back from the 60s, the 70s. I ended up with this whole, we ended up with this whole body of knowledge, but it has to be, it wouldn't do you any good. It's almost like you have to learn for sure. You have to learn how to study uh, atomics, atomic physics, what an atom is before you can be taught what subatomic physics are. And it's the same way in this thing. Daskalos very clearly laid it out as outer circle, inner circle, inner more circle and innermost circle. And that's where the real deep stuff was. But he had very few, he had like six students in that innermost circle. Outer circle, he had 600 in one circle. He had many circles. So there were a lot of outer students but he wanted it to be given out in a methodical, systematic way and not just dump a bunch of information on people because people that go for the information and we've seen a lot of them, they want the top information first. They become like jewel collectors. They, they put the little jewels around. They can talk to you about it, but they're like jewels. They haven't experienced it themselves because they haven't gone step by step. I see this in the practices. I see this in the teaching all the time. It's like they want to run to the top of the ladder but there's, they're missing steps. You need every step in this ladder to really ascend safely to the top. So, uh, yeah, we're, it's being protected. It's being disseminated slowly and into people who are ready for the next level. And um, it's going to be accessible to the world when we reincarnate. And that. And when we really uh, sincerely work on the exercise using the teaching, first we receive the teaching, whatever simple things, but if we try to uh, manifest it in our daily life and really doing so sincerely, then in the meditation or in the healing, occasion of the healing, higher entities will help us and guide us perfectly through our intuition, or through our experience, courage, whatever. This is really direct contact with the teaching. So, of course, uh, all the material uh, are so precious, 
uh, we have to be well, well preserved. But please remember, even in our simple attitude or behavior in our daily life, if we execute it with goodness, love, and peace, then we automatically can receive the innermost teaching from archangels or our teacher directly. This is a really true teaching. We have to experience it. I guess we'll just keep going. What did it feel like to be in the presence of Daskalos? Was his aura energy very strong or very soft? Can you share your experiences, what it was like to be in close interaction with him? What did it feel like? That felt like love <laughs> because it was love. But um, it, he had a lot of ways he communicated himself to the students. Well, a lot of ways he expressed himself and to me too. And sometimes it was soft and tender like a mother. Sometimes it was strong like your father. Sometimes it was just enjoyable like he was your grandfather. And a lot, most of the time he was like master of the universe because he knew how everything worked. So there were no stumping questions to him. He knew how it all worked. So it was like that gave you a feeling of being very, very secure. You, you really felt safe because you were with someone who actually knew the truth that you were seeking. I have the same experience. Sometimes he shows up very strongly without any smile. Sometimes he just show like a wind. So when I received the reason, oh, I feel him and I feel the guidance. Like that way, his uh, spirit soul is already super self-consciousness, which means he's everywhere. He knows uh, us completely, what's going on and what we need. So as long as we keep sincere uh, prayer with a clean heart, then when we ask for connection or guidance or help, he never ever missed our voice. If we feel, oh, our voice didn't reach to him, this is the, the, the problem on our side. He knows everything because he is already super self-consciousness. The divine law is perfect. But you made a point, you know, we have to reach them. So yes. concentration, it's like makes our voice louder to God and to him. The more we can concentrate, the clearer and the, the more of a loud message it is. Conscious. Consciously. Okay, before I answer the, we answer the last one, this is the last one. Mm -hmm. uh, I, yeah, I also want to say something to Manuel about the uh, Spanish teachings. There are some on, on uh, YouTube right now. I think if you look under uh, Investigor, Invest, Investigadores de la Verdad. So uh, Google that. Investigadores. <laughs> Investigadores. I can't read it. Wait, wait, I can read it for you. Investigadores. Oh, it's okay. Spanish. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, talk. 
social media platformları indes tigadolefdaladat. Investigators of the truth, basically. Uh, so Eric is asking about the baptism of fire, and if we could say something general about it. It's um, it's the second baptism, corresponding with the second crucifixion in the symbol of life work. The first baptism is baptism in water, everybody knows, and it's the baptism for the remission of sins. But I ask you now, why, when they have a little baby who's just born, do they go get it christened and baptized in water for the forgiveness of its sins if it didn't live before? It seems like the church used to acknowledge that. For what's the other reason? The baptism of fire, though, is something much, much different. The baptism of water, minutes, and it's over. The baptism of fire, centuries. And when in Pentecost, when the disciples had a flame above their head, they were just beginning to enter the phase of the baptism of fire, which I said, again, last century, so lifetimes. Um, it's, it's, it's a baptism of, um, it goes along with the crucifixion of your egotism. So it's the baptism of like purifying you of any dross, any heaviness, any egotism that would prevent you to go to the higher states. And then the, the second, the third baptism is the baptism of, of, of spirit. And it's, um, again, an instantaneous thing and that you don't reach that one until you right before you merge and become one with God again, right before a spirit self-realization. We have the first baptism of fire at the self-realization, permanent inner self-realization, let's say that. Then uh, the baptism of uh, fire happens here and then the baptism Spirit happens here when we're talking about the past on the symbol of life. So you see these three horizontal lines on the symbol of life. Those represents the three crucifixions and the three baptisms that any seeker of truth will eventually go through before they reach God in spirit self-realization. And um, the, the first one can be quite painful because it's a crucifixion <laughs> of your egotism. So... It's going to be as painful as you are attached to your egotism. But the second, the, the next one, this baptism of uh, light, is not. It's there. You're just you're just giving yourself in service to God. So, and the and the first crucifixion is painful. Second one not. Third one not. The second and third baptisms and crucifixions are actually pleasing. So, there's we had a whole workshop here five days on that one time. So, there's a lot to it. But we'll just leave it at that for now. And um, you can talk now, yes. Do you want to say more about that? I'm not going to. I'm okay now. That's good enough. Okay. At the certain uh, incarnation cycle, we start the baptism of fire. As he says, uh, it's uh, so painful because we have to cleanse completely uh, much with the quality of God. So we have to really work on you know, cleansing or emotion sort type of elementals. 
instead of that, we have to create more and more creative thought, emotional type of elementals. And uh, the experience will come and cleanse and cleanse and cleanse with the uh, experience is uh, like burning with fire. So the fire elemental, as uh, you know, originally we came from fire, you know, expressed as fire and solidified into the material body after cooling down, right? So we, to ascend, we have to burn, burn all kind of earth elemental, water elemental, and burn and then make ourselves as a pure fire self. To do this process, we really need to cleanse a lot, which means for us, we have impression those experiences as very bitter, painful experiences, mostly. But after overcoming, we express more purified divine nature of God. Done? <laughs> what do you want to do? No, uh, we're done. Thank you for sticking around. It's, we get so many questions, it goes way beyond the line. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but again, you can find the uh, Spanish stuff on YouTube. The word I was trying to say was just simply researchers of truth. So uh, you'll find it. And uh, looking forward to seeing you guys next time. Uh, these are great questions. And there's there's a lot happening right now. I mean, um, it was mentioned about the Great Awakening. Uh, there's a lot going on. And it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter if it's um, going to be difficult or it's going to be a new <laughs> golden age. Because the work for us is going to be the same. If society goes nuts and we have all these lockdowns and quarantines and restrictions and the whole economy collapses, we still have to do the work. If there's a great awakening, oh, wow, everything's getting better. Oh, the 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 um, heavy-handed government control is backing off and we're always going into a golden age. We still have to do the same work. It's just, it might be a little nicer and easier if the, the world will get a little um, enlightened. Uh, but nonetheless, it's, it's just the story's the same for us. We just have to raise our consciousness, uplift our self-awareness. And the best way to do that is just simply by loving others and mm. doing good, being a good person. Mm. This isn't about magic anymore. We, they, that's all they had before. But now Christ brought the ray of love. And it, he said for the first time that anybody ever heard, love your enemies. What? Even loving your neighbor at that time was a big deal. So it was a time of evolution on the planet where man was ready to receive this message of love for the first time. And so we're working in that system now. We're not working in the old uh, uh, Mayan system and the old Hindu system or these old systems that use magic formulas to produce results. And we don't need them. All right? It's express life in our daily life, even for the small matters. It doesn't matter. Be nice to other people, express better self day by day. Okay, guys, have a great day. We'll see you next time. Keep your questions coming. They're great. Many blessings to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.